So you just got It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, and Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. And a T-shirt, because I got one on right now. I go all the way there for the T-shirts, too. But uh, anyway, today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book tom molino from bondage to Better man on the planet is available right now where all good books are sold and you can get a copy of this book right now by visiting barnes and noble or amazon.com um i'm going to talk about the uh, post-fight shows uh, the big fights uh, this weekend uh sergey kovalev uh, losing his title to uh, uh eldir uh, alvarez uh also on that card uh dimitri bivel uh, won a uh, workmanlike decision over uh, Isaac Chalimba. We'll talk about that. And then uh, Alexander, uh, um, Devon Alexander, I thought, lost. I, I thought he won the fight. Uh, but according to the judges, he lost a close decision to Andre Berto uh, and some other fights. We also got some news to talk about, uh, which uh, specifically pertains to the potential and close to being signed, sealed, and delivered fight between uh, WBC World Heavyweight Champion Deontay Wilder and former um, undisputed and linear heavyweight champion uh, Tyson Fury. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, uh, Sergey Kovalev, uh, the guy that used to be uh, the bully, uh, the guy who uh, once gets punched back in the face seems to be tame very quickly. Uh, did show some talent against uh, Alvarez, of course, uh, and the age difference wasn't wasn't that great. But at the end, uh, Alvarez was a better fighter. He looked bigger. He looked stronger. He stopped Sergey Kovalev uh, at uh, two minutes and forty five seconds uh, of the seventh round. Uh, the win got uh, uh, Alvarez uh, Kovalev's WBO title. Uh, so that means uh, Kovalev, after his two losses against Andre Ward, followed him with two impressive wins over less than stellar opposition, uh, comes back and fights the guy that Adonis Stevenson refuses to fight, and maybe we see why. Joining me right now to get his thoughts uh, is uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, what was your uh, 
uh, thoughts on uh, the fight, Alvarez's performance. Come from behind, according to the judges' scorecards, but uh, uh, Alvarez's uh, performance to beat Sergey Kovalev. Well, good morning, Bill. Yes, and uh, I'll tell you what. I, I had the fight scored uh, possibly, uh, you know, Alvarez just uh, close. He was always in the fight, obviously. And um, I'll tell you what, though. The best the best Sergey Kovalev I've seen of late was the first Andre Ward fight. That's the Kovalev I thought, and who won that fight that night, I thought, I believed. But I haven't seen the Sergey Kovalev since that fight uh, show up. You know, he, he came his, uh, after he, he got beat and knocked out by Andre Ward, they gave him two, uh, two easier opponents to build some confidence and to get some strategy or to get some momentum going. But I'll tell you what, he got clean, cleanly and clearly derailed last night. Um, my, my read on him, uh, and I agreed also with Roy Jones Jr. Well, a lot of fighters could read other fighters. And when I saw, uh, the minute rest in between one and two round. Sergey had a look on his face like, "What am I doing here?" And and, and it's just like, "Wow, what am I? What was I thinking?" It just it just didn't look like he was in the fight mentally to to perform and be the elitist as we remember him. But uh, uh, to the credit of uh, of uh, Alvarez, I, I, he was in the fight. He looked. I agree with you. He looked like a bigger fighter. He uh, kept throwing that jab. Uh, I think he got Sergey Kovalev's attention early on with some power. Um, even though going into this fight, it wasn't looking like this guy was a power puncher. He hasn't had that many KOs in his victories. But, you know, he sat down some punches. He caught him with some great right hands. And Kovalev just, uh, I, I think uh, he just got uh, so derailed, uh, he just lost uh any kind of steam or momentum or desire when he got caught with that big, big right hand. Alvarez, in my opinion, was a more talented fighter uh, than uh, than Kovalev, at least the Kovalev, the version of Kovalev that we saw last night. Um, but the thing that sticks in my mind the most is what made Kovalev successful uh, through his run. And I'm not suggesting his career is over, but I'm just saying throughout his run, his rise to the top or whatever. Um, he was a bully, and just like other bullies that got success, and and, and most of them are my favorite fighters of all time: Mike Tyson, Jack Dempsey, uh, bully Roberto Duran, another bully. You know, uh, Sonny Liston, another bully. I mean, these guys, uh, when they uh, you know they would win, their their, their reputation was a couple of uh, points towards a victory before the bell sounded against the right. opponents. But once that fear factor, that bully was challenged, that bully on the schoolyard punched in the face and backs down, they become ordinary. And then once yes. an opponent feels that, you know, this guy can be beaten, that aurora, that bully, that, 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 that invinci invincibility uh, that's portrayed by these types of fighters, these bully-type fighters, goes away. And then what's left is talent. And what we saw last night, in my opinion, uh, was strictly a better talented fighter at this stage. Now, you can make the argument, should Kovalev have fought Alvarez several years back, the outcome would have been different. Uh, but uh, his power was there. Uh, like you said, Sal, uh, when he threw the jab, uh, it landed uh, with convincing uh, uh, convincibility. But let, let me tell you this. 
there was one thing that um, really uh, uh, caught my ear uh, during this broadcast. It was a point when uh, um, uh, Max Kellerman, I believe, and, and he was talking about this next fight, the Bivol fight. Uh, and he said, hey, listen, I don't care what punch stat says. He says, when you look at the actual punches landed. And you know what? I wish I, sh- I should have cut that audio clip out because that's a guy, Max Kellerman, who said it a matter of factly. And whether he realized it or not, he was saying exactly what I've been saying all along about Correct. the punch stats and about how you know we let uh, two other people determine whether a punch landed or not. And then a lot of people, including Jim Lampley, use it as fact. Um, and, and what Max was saying was, well, you know, he throws a punch, punch that might be landing it, but really it grazed, really he blocked it, really it didn't <laughs> yes. land flush, it wasn't a flush. And I'm like, oh, man, that's so correct. And I was glad so he correct. said it, whether he meant it or not. But speaking of Bivol, he retained his title. He improved to 14 and over 11 knockouts. Uh, when he won a, uh, a unanimous decision against uh, Isaac Chalimba, who drops uh, his sixth fight. He's 25-6 and six now with a couple of draws, 116-112, uh, 120-108. Um, listen, you mentioned Roy Jones Jr., Sal. Well, Roy Jones Jr. was in the corner of uh, Isaac Chalimba, and be- when you started to say between rounds and one and two, I thought that you were referring to what he was saying to Chalimba. You made it clear that, uh, you know, it was Kovalev uh, between one and two. He looked beaten. But I'll say this. Between, between rounds one and two, uh, Roy Jones Jr. saying to Chalimba, hey, if we don't get stopped, we win. He, he, he basically, it seemed like the game plan was to survive this fight and make it to the final bell and win, lose, a draw that was a victory for Chalimba because he, the way he looks at it, he still maintains his tough journeyman status and will still uh, be able to get another payday. What was your thoughts on that fight, Sal? Well, it was to me, I think it was a snooze fest. I mean, it was the same round over and over. I had the score maybe 120-109. I gave uh, uh, one round a draw maybe, and uh, um, I think I think that uh, – no, I actually gave one round to uh, Jalimba. But uh, I think that, um, you know, hearing his instructions in the last round, you got to knock him out to win. Uh, I, I think that would have been better served if he started in the seventh round saying, hey, man, you're well behind. You're giving these rounds away. You've got to dig deep and you've got to do something different. You just can't keep going out there and just, just uh, you know, and I was thinking of you, Bill, during the fight because he almost looked like, Jalimba almost looked like he was, uh, giving a, a, a Jack Johnson style, you know, he, he would keep that left down, the right cocked underneath the chin, and uh, but of course there was no Jack Johnson behind the the, the, the punches. Um, I I I almost fell asleep during the fight. I didn't think it was a great fight, but uh, uh, I think that Bibble did what he had to do. He looks Bibble is a textbook, you know. He 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 doesn't surprise you with too much. He's there. He boxes. He delivers his punches. Uh, he has some decent defense. And, you know, uh, this was supposed to be a showcase for Bivol and uh, and Kovalev to, to kind of get in a ring together. Well, I'll tell you what. It's going to be uh, Bivol, all right. And uh, But we're going to see him against Alvarez. And I think Alvarez is going to beat him. Right. I, I think so. Well, it's a, t- it's, a, it's a really good matchup, as would have been. Yes. 
uh, Kovalev against Bivol. Don't be surprised if you don't see Kovalev still fight Bivol. Uh, but uh, but the uh, uh, I thought that uh, Bivol did put on a great performance. I think that uh, he showed that you know this kid he's got punching power. He's he's smart in there. Um, he he's makes calm, you miss. Smart. He may, yeah he's he's got Doesn't the same rattled. level. Uh, he makes you miss. He lands flush, and he's in there for the long haul. Um, yeah, credit to Chalimba. Uh, being d- defensive and surviving, and to be honest with you, what I gathered from the uh, instruction or lack of from Roy Jones Jr. in the corner, that was their game plan. But uh, nonetheless, we'll talk more about these fights. We got Dax Khan coming up, and also Alex Papali. But uh, just to round out uh, the fights from the weekend, um, Andre Berto uh, beat uh, Devon Alexander in a uh, uh, a split decision. Uh, as the main event uh, in uh, Long Island. Um, 115-112 twice for Berto. One judge had it 114-113 for Devon Alexander. Personally, I scored at 115-112 uh, for uh, Devon Alexander. Uh, I thought he won the fight. And, you know, the thing about Andre Berto, he comes, he looks the part, he's in shape always. But I think that this fight really demonstrated the lack of skill that Andre Berto has. Remember, I believe that this very well could have been the best Andre Berto you've ever seen. You can't go back in time and say, well, you know, uh, Andre Berto used to be such a better fighter. And, you know, as he's aging, he's deteriorating a little. When can you say that? You know, he was kind of rushed and handed a title as soon as he got challenged uh, uh you know by a real fighter he lost uh he's been in these knockout drag out slug fests which showed that he really he's not anything more than a slugger and uh of course you know his big claim to fame is is his fight with uh, floyd mayweather but now we see why mayweather picked him I mean, he can't get out of his own way. He's a one-dimensional fighter. He's a durable uh, fighter. He, he's durable to... He is a durable fighter. You know what? You know who he he's reminds a... me of? He reminds me of Jean Pascal. They're simple wow. fighters. Well, they're simple... They're, they're both yeah. similar fighters. They, they go for the kill. They have good chins. They, they're a good test. But really, what do they do? Alexander, his lack of punch output, which uh, Virgil Hunter was telling him to do, would have won him this fight. And I personally think he won the fight. Did you get a chance to see it? No, sir, I did not. Well, Ron Lipton was the uh, um, uh, referee uh, in this fight. Good and, I, and I will say this. Ron Lipton has been uh, struggling to get uh, back as the main event on a, on a TV broadcast. And uh, I just want to uh, congratulate Ron. Uh, he finally got there. Uh, not that he didn't deserve it sooner. Uh, but uh, the powers that be uh, gave him the chance. And I'll tell you what, uh, he showed uh, what a, a good referee's supposed to do, in my opinion. He let the guys fight. Uh, when he had to warn him, he warned him sternly. Uh, he was never in the camera shot. So, I, you know, as I'm trying to watch it, I, I'm seeing Ron's back. You know, I didn't see it. Ron was off to the side, but he was uh, in, in right there when he needed to be. And, and one other thing. Not that, uh, you know, it really matters, but I think it does. I mean, uh, to other people it doesn't matter, but to me it does. Ron's in good shape. Ron can move around the ring. You know, how many times do you see these these referees, Sal, that are so out of shape that you wonder if they're going to drop dead of a heart attack in the ring, you know, because they can't move around, you know? At least this guy was uh, able to move. Uh, it was uh, refreshing to see, to be honest with you. Yes, good, good point, good point. 
And uh, yeah, I uh, I'm glad that he uh, worked his way back up. I know he uh, worked hard for that, and uh, I'm glad he did a good job. Uh, some other fights in uh, uh, Long Island in Uniondale. Um, Peter uh, Quinlan, Kid Chocolate, uh, had moved up to uh, super middleweight, and he uh, won a 10-round uh, unanimous decision over Jaylion Love. Uh, he improves to 31 wins, one loss, one draw, uh, with 23 of his wins coming by knockout. Jaylion Love, to me, proved that he's nothing more than what he is. He's one of uh, Floyd Mayweather's uh, bodyguard goons uh, that he has hanging around. This guy uh, was exposed uh, a while ago. And uh, not that, uh, you know, fighting and going the distance with Quinlan wasn't, uh, uh, you know, a, a feat in itself. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of love for Jay Leon Love. I mean, people thought that this guy was going to be the next, uh, uh, you know, person controlling the uh, uh, super middleweight division. And he's fa fallen far short of that. 99-91, 98-92 twice uh, and uh, justifiable scores in that one. In the uh, light heavyweight division, ranked fighter Marcus Brown improved to 22-0 when he won uh, uh, a unanimous decision over uh, Lennon Castillo, who drops to 18-2-1. Uh, it was a 10-round fight, 98-91 twice, 97-92, all in favor uh, of the young uh, Marcus Brown. To be honest with you, he didn't impress me much in this fight. Uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't fight with any kind of urgency, and, you know, fighting these level guys like Castillo uh, is fine for Marcus Brown. But if he truly wants to get up into that next level, uh, he's going to have to step it up uh, quite a bit. Uh, in one of the most entertaining fights of the weekend, Sal, and I'm sorry you missed these, uh, was uh, former W, uh, former world champion, uh, welterweight world champion, Luis Colazzo, uh, fought uh, uh, Bryant uh, Goodfellow Perella, who's been on this show, uh, and uh, Perella was the young gun coming in uh, and uh, was a was was a favorite. Colazzo, thirty-seven year old uh, veteran who's been in a, a lot of fights. Well, the former champion and thirty-seven year old so-called old man fought a typical Lewis Colazzo fight and won a unanimous decision. Uh, where actually it was a, uh, a, a majority decision. I don't understand why, but Colazzo improved to 38-7 and seven with 20 knockouts uh, when he won this fight. Perella drops to 15-2. and 98-92, 96-94, both uh, very uh, decent scores. It was, it was more like 98-92, all right? I mean, Colazzo just put a good old-fashioned butt-whipping on, uh, on Perella. And then one of the judges, Sal, Scored it 95-95. When I heard that, I'm like, wow. are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I mean, if if any of you ever out uh, out there never really watched a Luis Colazzo fight. Now, the thing about Luis Colazzo is that he's up and down. Sometimes uh, he looks really good. Sometimes he looks bad. But I'll tell you what. It seems that every time that I watch him and every time that he's brought in to be that grizzly veteran that a young fighter is supposed to beat, he turns and whoops their butt, man. And that's what that's he good. did uh, last night. And uh, congratulations to uh, uh, Luis Colazzo. I hope that uh, he gets another uh, shot. And any fighter that steps in the ring with him and takes him lightly uh, is in some serious trouble. Uh, but uh, speaking of congrats, I want to congratulate Tevin Farmer. Um, Friday night he uh, fought 
uh, or it might have been early, early Saturday. Uh, uh, I, I, I get confused with the time difference because he fought in Australia uh, against former uh, multi-division uh, uh, world champ Billy Dibb. And um, it, the, I, uh, the IBF's junior lightweight title was on the line, and uh, Tevin Farmer finally uh, got the job done, won a unanimous decision over Billy Dibb to catch the title. The reason why I'm giving congrats to him is because Tevin Farmer... Uh, who's now 26 wins, four losses, and a draw with five knockouts, um, is one tough SOB. And this kid was put in uh, in tough fights early in his career and, um, you know, picked up a couple of losses. But that didn't mean that he wasn't a good fighter, and that didn't mean that he shouldn't deserve a chance. It's just the nature of how this business works. And I was glad to see him get the opportunity against Billy Dibb, who, in my opinion, is an overrated fighter anyway. So I congratulate Tevin Farmer. I hope that he uh, can keep the ball moving. Sal, you're going to love uh, his quote after the fight. He said, uh, Billy Dibb's a hell of a fighter. He had a great career. He's a two-time world champion. He tried to bully me, and that might have worked if I wasn't from Philly. Uh, I'm the new <laughs> champion of the world. It was a long time to get here, but that's, but we have a long way to go. Nobody wants to give me a shot. Everybody's ducks me, so I had to kick down the door. Now I got a belt, and everybody will want to start screaming my name. I'm ready to fight anyone and unify the title. So uh, throwback kind of a fighter in Tevin like Farmer. Yes. I mean, how can you not uh, root for a kid like this, right? Yeah, no, you got to challenge yourself. You got to accept all, all oncoming uh, opponents. And I'll tell you what, that's why the, the strong survive. And that's the, that's the human race that we, uh, we uh, compete in every day. So one other thing we're going to talk about uh, as the show goes on, uh, aside from all the fights uh, that we just uh, discussed, uh, in big news uh, in the sport is um, the confirmation from both sides that a deal is currently uh, being worked on. And according to uh, uh, both sides, close, one side says very close, the other side says close to being signed, sealed, and delivered. That would be uh, WBC uh, World Heavyweight Champion defending his title against technically the linear heavyweight champion in Tyson Fury. This fight uh, scheduled or uh, being tried to be scheduled for December here in the United States, um, I, you know when I when I look at this fight, I, my I'll give reasons why Sal in a minute, but and I've always been a huge Tyson Fury fan. You always have. But let me tell you this: uh, Deontay Wilder will knock out Tyson Fury. Uh, I, I, I I'll tell you that right now. Um, Tyson Fury, uh, although he's uh, six foot nine, he's got a two inch uh, height advantage over Deontay <laughs> Wilder. You know that's kind of funny when you think about it. That's Deontay, funny when he's in it. he's got six seven. He's got two inch. Yeah, Deontay Wilder six foot seven. All right, <laughs> and he's the shorter guy, and he's the shorter guy. You know, so, the shorter guy. So, so uh, I think his octopus likes punches, and an arms might be a little bit uh, uh, better reach anyway. Well, here's here's the thing, Deontay Wilder. Like I've said time and time again, is a one-trick pony. All he has is punching power, but that's all he needs against Tyson Fury. That, but that's all he needs against Tyson Fury because I'll tell you why. 
I, I'm not so sure Tyson Fury punches any harder than Luis Ortiz. For a big man, now Tyson Fury in his last fight weighed 276 pounds, okay? Now, in his one of his career best fights, and that was his fight against Vladimir Klitschko, he weighed 247. So I'm thinking that he's at least 20, 25 pounds overweight. Uh, and, and he is scheduled to fight uh, in August uh, against Francisco Piata. So, uh, and Francisco Piata is much uh, better uh, opponent than who he fought in his last fight. But still, I don't think this guy is ready uh, for Deontay Wilder, especially considering when you really look into Tyson Fury's record, his top three victories was the fight against Klitschko, Kevin Johnson, when Kevin Johnson mattered, uh, you got to go back, look look at the dates, punch him up and look at the dates. Kevin Johnson at the time was 28 wins, two losses and a draw, and was a, a, a big heavyweight in the mix. And, uh, you know, uh, Tyson Fury beat him. And his win over Derek Chisora, who, again, was in the mix at that time. Those, those were the three big fights he ever had. You know, I, I mean, is that any different than the three biggest fights that Deontay had, in my opinion? His three best fights was his last one against Ortiz. I got to give him credit for the first fight against Berman Stavern, even though Stavern we, we know wasn't much. But Deontay displayed a, a jab in that fight and the, and the willingness to, to let a fight go the distance. I give him credit for that. And the other fight that I always give credit for Deontay for winning was Otor Spitzko. Spitzko was a, a top 10 heavyweight at that time and was a tough guy. So when you look at the three best wins for both these fighters, Sal, uh, they're very equal, and when if you have the uh, power, the punching power, uh, as the equalizer, I'm putting my money on Deontay in this fight. No, me too. I, I, I agree with you, and I think that Deontay, with his unorthodox style and his, his punches uh, coming from uh, left field, right field, uh, I think it's going to be uh, too much for... Uh, Tyson Fury to really endure this the distance and um, it's just going to be one time he's going to catch him and uh, you'll see uh, you'll see Tyson Fury look a little bit like Sergey Kovalev. Well, let me tell you this: in his fight against um, Steve USS Cunningham, Tyson Fury got rocked. He was hurt in that fight. Steve yeah, USS was. Cunningham was a cruiserweight. Steve USS Cunningham weighed 210 pounds against uh, uh, Tyson Fury when they fought. Um, there's no way that uh, Tyson Fury is going to be able to withstand a solid shot from Deontay. Now, the people are going to say, yeah, but Tyson Fury is going to know how to tie him up and, and get inside and, and lean on him and rough him up a bit and all those things. Um, and, and I agree with that. You know, at six foot seven, 32 years old, you know, we've seen the best of Deontay Wilder, and it was in his last fight. You know, although he weighed 214 uh, pounds in his last fight, 214 and three-quarter to be exact, um, his heaviest was 229. What he decides to come in uh, on weight against a, a Tyson Fury is yet to be seen. I would think he would try to be like he did against Luis Ortiz. He looked good against Ortiz. He weathered the storm. And he came back and won by decision. I'm thinking that that would be his mindset going against Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury would want to lean on him, would want to hold him and try to hit him inside and, and frustrate Deontay Wilder. Uh, that's going to be Tyson Fury's game. Hope to wear him out and, and take him into the later rounds. I just don't think that uh, Tyson Fury's chin is going to withstand uh, the punching power of Deontay Wilder. I just don't see it. I, I, I just no, don't see it. I agree with you. And I also, you know, I've said often about 
about Deontay Wilder, we haven't seen the best Deontay Wilder yet. And I think we're still going to see a better version as he goes up with the level of competition. I think he's got more than just uh, that one trick, even though that's all he needs on his level. But, uh, you know, I give a lot of credence to Mark Breland, his, his teacher, his, student, uh, his uh, trainer. And, you know, what's good about having an opponent signed, sealed, and delivered, you do have those weeks, maybe months, to train and, and look to do things against that style of an opponent. You get similar sparring partners that come in. Although I don't know how many you're going to get six foot nine. But uh, uh, you still will, will look and drill and try different things to see how, how they could be utilized and implemented in the fight itself. So, like I said, I give a lot of credence and a lot of uh, respect to Mark Breland. And hopefully uh, Deontay Wilder is still uh, uh, work in motion and, and still learning as his student. And uh, so that's why I say we still have not seen the very best Deontay Wilder. And uh, I, I do agree with you that he's going to knock out, maybe even knock him out cold, Tyson Fury. Yeah, I, I, we strongly disagree. We're going to take a break. we got Dax and Khan coming. Do. But we strongly disagree about Wilder. We have seen the best of Wilder. He's not going to all of a sudden start – uh, you know, displaying any kind of any kind of ability uh, other than what he's shown us right now, and you know, I I think it's a good move for him to fight Tyson Fury. Um, I think it it's a big uh, it's going to be on pay per view. I think that it's it's a big uh, advancement for him uh, with his negotiation and bargaining power with Anthony Joshua. So it, it's a big fight and a good fight for Deontay Wilder. Um, but uh, all we're going to see is Deontay Wilder do what he does, and he's going to be successful. He's going to knock out yes. uh, Tyson Fury. Listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, Dax Khan will join us, and uh, we'll get his thoughts uh, on the uh, big fights uh, from this past weekend. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening. The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Give a special shout out to uh, all of our listeners that are uh, listening. Listeners, listen, you know, on uh, WGIG and WSMN. Glad to have you uh, part of the show. Uh, and uh, joining us right now, speaking about being part of the show, is uh, my man Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning. How is everybody today? Better than Sergey Kovalev. What was your thoughts oh, on the uh, Alvarez uh, knockout over uh, Sergey Kovalev? Listen, Alvarez started the fight outboxing him. Um, Kovalev came in. He looked overconfident. Um, he looked tense. Uh, once he turned it up in the fourth, he had some success. And um, he hurt Alvarez a little bit, and I think he got reckless. And Alvarez, you know, remained calm, credit to him. Um, he has a great chin. He showed that better than anybody could have expected. And then he caught him with that counter. And I think he just surprised and shocked Kovalev, who has shown and proved not only last night, but we've seen it in the ward fight, that like a lot of punchers, 
he has the curse of I need my power, and when I'm hurt, I don't know what to do. And we've seen that over the years, the history of the sport, when a guy is a tremendous puncher. And Kovalev is, you know, a very good boxer, but you know what? He just doesn't know what to do. He panics in those situations. And Alvarez, you know, he showed levels, and he also showed why up in Canada they were paying him money to stay away from Madonna Stevenson. You know, they knew something that nobody else did, and Alvarez showed last night. Very good point. I I thought that uh, Alvarez uh, showed that he 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 outboxed Kovalev. I mean, you're right. Uh, a lot of people don't even look at Kovalev or give him credit credit for his uh, boxing ability, which he has. And at times in the fight last night, he displayed some of his boxing ability, Dax. But at the end, I think that Alvarez showed that he is a better boxer and that he's got some pop. And like you suggested, and uh, something that we didn't talk about earlier was that he has a solid chin. He did take uh, some of Kovalev's best shots. Uh, but on the other hand, to me, Alvarez looked bigger, looked way bigger, looked like he could have been a, a easily a cruiserweight in big. there. You know, so uh, that makes you wonder, uh, you know, maybe physically his body able to dry out to make that weight. And then uh, I didn't get the, the uh, fight night weights, did you? Um, no, I didn't. I think Kovalev was about 185, I heard, and Alvarez was about the same. Alvarez didn't gain much weight. You know, Kovalev, too, if you noticed, he came to the ring dry, and he looked kind of drawn out. So maybe he was overtrained for this fight. Yeah, could be. You know, but he looked like he's aged in his last half a dozen fights, to be honest with you. You know, um, I thought that the uh, the first uh, Andre Ward fight, I thought he won that fight. The second fight... Uh, he lost. Uh, I, I know people uh, were very defensive over um, our term saying he quit on the fight. It, it wasn't that I was discrediting Kovalev, and I never would. My hang-up with that second uh, Ward fight was that he was looking t- for help all the time to the referee. And, and, you know, I mean, a guy that had a reputation for being a bully, Dax, I figured, you know, I, that's a guy that should go after and, and show no respect. He didn't do that and, against and, Alvarez. And again, Bill, that's the curse of the puncher. You don't know what to well, do. Well, not all punches. Some some punches, not all are considered bullies. You know, he was considered a bully. Ward broke down that persona. Uh, and then I think that's Alvarez. I think Alvarez, what's your thoughts of this? Do you think that Alvarez surprised the whole team of Kovalev with his ability to box? I think so. I think that, you know, they weren't really you know, they figured, hey, he went in there, he beat Chalemba, I beat Chalemba, he hasn't been in there with anybody, you know, of that level. He went in there with Butte, Butte's been knocked out by, you know, super middleweight, so he didn't give him much of a thought, and he didn't give him the respect he should have, and, and he paid for it. So, you know, the Kovalev persona is gone, you know. I think his his own personal um, confidence, so to speak, is shot, and Kovalev's never going to be the same again. Never. And at the time of the stoppage, he was up twice. It was 59-55, I think, twice, and 58-56, so, you know, he was ahead on the cards. I personally had Alvarez winning all but one round. Um, I, I had Alvarez I had Alvarez winning, too. Hey, we got a super chat from my man, Joel. Uh, he, wants, Joel. he wants us to uh, give us our thoughts on if uh, Yvonne Michel from GYM uh, will make a fight or try to make a fight between uh, his uh, his <laughs> his track star Adana Stevenson against uh, Elder Alvarez. Uh, what do you think, Dax? You think that fight will be made? I'll tell you this. I'll break it out now. I was going to break it out later. That's all going to decide on Alexander Usyk. Alexander Usyk wants another title. 
he wants it either in the heavyweight division or he wants it in the light heavyweight division. When he won the World Boxing Super Series, the WBO elevated him to their super champion. In their new rules and their new policy, the super champion has the right to be the challenger for either the champion in the division under or the division above. And they actually get to have that title shot before the mandatory that's already in that division. Alexander Usyk wants one of those titles. He was eyeing both this fight and he was eyeing both uh, Anthony Joshua, whoever's willing to go first. So right now, it really depends on Alexander Usyk. Well, I mean, uh, what, what do you think would be a smarter fight for him to go down, uh, you know, virtually 20 pounds uh, or uh, be able to bulk up? And, uh, I mean, obviously, Usyk is a, is a talented fighter. You know, I mean, a boxer, you know, I'm talking boxing ability. Uh, so he must think that he can outbox a heavyweight. I mean, um, it always seems for a big guy, at least when you reach a certain height, it always seems easier and, and less stressful on your body to move up rather than move down. This is true. Um, I, I think uh, more likely he's going to go up if he can get the AJ fight, but I don't think that they're tr uh, team AJ, Anthony Joshua, uh, rather, I don't think they're trying to make a fight with anybody right now other than the, uh, the Deontay Wilder fight. And they're not trying to chance going in there and looking bad against somebody like an Alexander Usyk, who even if he knocked out Usyk, he kind of looked silly. Usyk would really wear him out. Remember, Anthony Joshua has stamina problems and Alexander Usyk doesn't have stamina problems. And Usyk will actually, you know, just sit there and uh, uh, play with him, pepper him, make him look foolish, very much in a Lomachenko type style. So, and I think Usyk, even for just one fight, you know, from the way he's talking, even just one fight, he'd be willing to come down to 175 pounds, win that title, vacate, and then go back up. Usyk is chasing greatness right now, which not a lot of fighters are, and so that would depend on him. As far as the um, Adonis Stevenson versus um, uh, Alvarez, you know, um, Adonis Stevenson has his own date in September. You know, he has to fight his mandatory uh, uh, Alexander Vazic. Well, to answer... On November 3rd, I'm my, sorry. My, that, that, that's already signed, sealed, and delivered. That has to go where Donna Stevenson's being stripped. Well, yeah, well, he was supposed to fight uh, Alvarez at least three times. Uh, yeah, there, there's know. no step-aside uh, money. There's nothing. Vodzik is the interim title holder. Well, to answer Joel's question in his super chat... Um, do I think Adonis will fight uh, Alvarez next? Listen, Adonis Stevenson ducked Alvarez, you know, three times previously. <laughs> I, it, it wouldn't. It and and now he's got another title, so that means that the WBC is all of a sudden gonna, you know, not even recognize that he exists. So uh, the answer is no. I don't think. Do, would I like to see the fight? Yeah, I would like to have seen Stevenson fight Kovalev. To be honest with you, uh, and don't be surprised if. Uh, uh, Stevenson loses that that Kovalev Stevenson fight doesn't happen when both are trying to make a comeback. Uh, Dax, we don't want to run out of time with you, so let's move on to the next fight. Uh, Dimitri Bivol uh, in a workman like. And I thought it was an entertaining fight because I, I think that Bivol showed us uh, a, 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 the full gamut of his of his skill the thing is is Chalimba's no easy out not many people can stop this guy uh but uh Dimitri Bivol went the distance what was your thoughts on that fight Listen, Bivol is getting a bad rap because the expectations are so high on him and uh, the power, you know, being stressed on him. You know, you, you stated it perfectly. You know, he showed the world that, that extra level. I thought he showed the world that extra level in the Sullivan Barrera fight. Uh, Sullivan Barrera, who's a more durable and more talented and a uh, fighter who has more to him and the fighter is a lot larger than Isaac Chalemba, um, you know, was completely shut down by Bivol and stopped. So, uh, Isaac Chalemba, 
is is the guy you know he's he's not at that championship level of course we know that but you know nobody's had an easy time even in his stoppage loss to Vodzik um, um you know he had that hand injury um, you know, he fought Alvarez, he's fought Kovalev, he's fought Tony Bello. And if you watch those fights, or if you remember watching those fights compared to the Bivol fight, um, what the difference was, in those fights, actually, Isaac Chalemba was getting his offense off. Against Bivol, he wasn't able to get his offense off. He was actually confused on what to do. He had those moments of... Um, one or two rounds where he had some success, but those were rounds where Bivol was just boxing. He was using his jab, setting the tempo. Like Usyk, he decides when the fight is going to be turned up, when it's going to slow down. He's in total control. He's hard to hit. His defense is underrated. I didn't realize he had such good uh, footwork. Obviously, he has uh, phenomenal stamina. So, you know, Dimitri Bivol really showed levels in that fight, and I think we should appreciate that rather than uh, everybody looking for a reason to criticize that because now what I'm seeing in my mind, another 5-6 seven fights we have a genuine pound for pound fighter and not a guy you know where we're just wondering exactly how good he can be um you know chalemba unfortunately you know this is an error hopefully that uh he can kind of end up like ray beltran with so many belts he should uh you know he'll end up being able eventually to snag one because uh, isaac chalemba has really paid his dues inside this sport i don't know how much he's got left the uh the in terms of you know legitimately doing anything other than what he did against bivol uh, I didn't like hearing Roy Jones Jr. in the corner telling them, you know, just basically their game plan to me sounded like they wanted to just go to distance in this fight and not have it stopped. And, uh, you know, to them, they, they had a victory. And, you know, when you're fighting to do that, uh, obviously he's fighting for another payday, another another fight against a guy similar to Bivol. It, it's it, it's time to, to hang it up because, I mean, why why go through the risk of getting seriously injured? But uh, anyway. Main, main events feeds into everybody. You know, they, that that's what, instead of anybody doing the right thing by Chalemba, what they said is, you know, and they did this a couple of years ago. He's durable. He'll always put on a good fight. He's not going to get stopped. Let's put him in there against the guy that we want to look sensational. And if they look bad, we can always use this excuse of where, you know, Isaac Chalemba is no easy out. But, you know, for the last five, six years, he's been a top ten heavyweight, steady. Light heavyweight, yeah. Um, Light in, heavyweight, in, sorry, in, yeah. Uh, in the other fight uh, uh, across uh, the way, oh, uh, this oh, one was oh. in uh, Long Island, Andre... One, one, one last thing about Bibble. You know, Bibble is not going to go with HBO. We, uh, you know, there, there's a rumor, Bill, me and Sal were talking about this during the break, that World of Boxing... The promoter of Bivol has signed an agreement with Eddie Hearn, and Dimitri Bivol is going to uh, have about four or five fights exclusively on a new uh, 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 Dazen app. Yeah, the, they for some reason they pronounce it D A Z N is the way that the the app is pronounced is Dazon. Uh, yeah, I, I, looked, I looked it up. Yeah, and it's yeah, weird. They, it's they weird. had like broke it down, and the, they had about three different ways to say it. Dazen, the zone. Uh, well, they were showing the German way, the 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 uh, French way, the English way. Uh, so I, I just won't. Well, uh, let's let's. <laughs> I want to try and get these other fights in because some of them were really good. First and foremost, Andre Berto wins a split decision over Devon Alexander. Um, I, you know, to be honest with you, I, I thought that Devon Alexander won this fight. I I, I scored this fight. 115-112. To me, all the other fights that took place really were were non-controversial, in my opinion. I, there was no other winner than the guys who won these fights, except for this one. And the reason why I thought Alexander won is I, I thought that he was landing the more significant punches. Uh, I thought that Berto was doing what Berto does. I, I think Berto, in a nutshell, no disrespect to Andre, 
and I know he, you know, he trains very hard and the beast mode, all this stuff. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that he's very, he's maxed out. This guy's nothing special. He's aside from uh, his conditioning, which which is questionable inside the ring. I mean, he looks like he's in great shape. Um, I think he's ordinary at best. I, I thought that Alexander squeaked out to win. What what what'd you think, Dax? I thought, you know, it was a fight where it depended on what type of style you like. The guy who was coming forward constantly and throwing the big punches, or did you like the boxer? Um, you know, it could have went either way. I agree. I wouldn't have had a problem with Alexander winning. You know, remember, this was almost 900 days since Andre Berto's last win, and the last significant win for Devin Alexander was back in 2012, I believe, when he won that IBF title uh, from Randall Bailey that he never uh, made a successful defense against when he lost to Sean Porter. So, you know, uh, this was a uh, sink or swim fight for both guys, and unfortunately neither of them did anything to make you uh, say that they're going to be around um, any, any longer in a, in a significant matter. If anything, dare I say, you know, with the way the sport is today, they kind of squeaked it out towards Andre Bertel because they know Andre Bertel would give one or two more uh, exciting fights. Uh, did you notice the commentary when they said in there, they said, oh, Andre Bertel has been involved in some of the most exciting and biggest fights of the last several years. And then real quick, they go, and so is Devin Alexander. Uh, Andre Berto, this is my point. Andre Berto, really, you you can't go back and and say that the performance that he had uh, last night was any different than any of his best performances. I mean, that's it with Andre Berto. That's what you get. End of story. Andre Berto is what we saw the other night. As far as Devon Alexander, there was a time when he was very flashy. I I, I don't know what's happened to him, uh, but in any event, uh, moving on. He was once hailed as the next future pound-for-pound king of the sport. Who, Devon? Yes, when he was at 140 pounds. Uh, he was. Again, who we fought before Tim Bradley. They said, this is going to be the next pound-for-pound uh, pound king of the sport. I, and he looked like he was on his way to it. I, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there was no question. The guy had speed, power. Listen, I was ringside for the fight when he fought. Uh, who, who was it at, at one of the uh, casinos? It was another champion. He, he said he never hit him. And the guy, the guy ended up with his, with his uh, elbow uh, was uh, was all damaged and stuff. Uh, you got uh, Urang- Juan Urango, all right. When oh yeah, that yes, fight. Yes, that fight. Juan Urango was uh, was a good fighter. Uh, was injured going into that fight, and I'll never forget after that fight. Uh, Devon Alexander saying, "Well, he never even hit me," and I'm looking at this guy's chest, and it was like red as an apple from all the shots that Urango has landed. I mean, flush, and he clearly was rocked in this fight. Now, granted, he, uh, uh, Dev- I remember the fight; I was right there. A devastating uppercut uh, knocked him out. But anyway, moving on. Uh, Peter Kid Chocolate Quillen improved to 34 and one with a draw uh, when he won a uh, unanimous decision over Jay Leon Love. You know, Dax, I said Jay Leon Love. Uh, at one time was supposed to be a, uh, you know, a, a, a heavy-duty prospect and then a contender, and everybody thought this guy was the next one. I, don't, I, I think this guy is, is a top-ten contender at best. Uh, I was glad to see Quinlan win the fight only because he moved up in weight. How do you think this is going to carry him as time goes forward? Peter Quinlan, you know, as far as Jay Leon Love, he is what he is on on the surface. You know, the only, the only new wrinkle to his game is that extra footwork that he seemed to bring on after the Porky Medina knockout loss. Um, but I don't, I haven't seen his uh, boxing skills improved, and he certainly has become more defensive minded, which isn't going to help him as he goes uh, tries to move up the ladder in the future. Uh, Quillen, you know, he looks. Um, 
he looks kind of shot struggling. Uh, this is only his second fight since that loss to uh, Danny Jacobs, who I absolutely believe ruined Peter Quillen uh, mentally and physically as a fighter. Um, you know, especially when he had love almost, you know, on that rope, on the ropes in the eighth round, and he was hurt, and he seemed to punch himself out. So Peter Quillen, if he ever expects to get back into the mix and even become a genuine top 10 contender, he's going to have to start fighting more often. And in that 168-pound uh, division, we have a lot of young champions, you know, like Butter Ramirez, we have uh, David Benavides. So Peter Quillen, you know, at his age, uh, 32, 33 years old, and with such inactivity, he's going to have to step it up. Or else we're not going to see much of Peter Quillen, except in maybe you know little events like this, uh, fighting once or uh, you know once every other year at the Barclays Center. He did take some time off to be with his family, so it'll be interesting how it plays out. Uh, Dax, we're running out of time, and I want to get your thoughts on these last two fights. Uh, first and foremost, in a fight that I thought should have been a showcase fight for him. Um, and he looked didn't even look ordinary at, at best. Marcus Brown uh, won a uh, decision over Lennon Castillo. Um, I was expecting a little more for Brown. Brown wants to move up, uh, you know, as far as being termed, uh, you know, wants a shot, wants this, wants that, wants to fight the next level guys. I'm not so sure he's ready for it. What was your thoughts on this fight? No, he's not ready for the next step. He's a uh, big, strong fighter. He has decent skills, um, but his best career wins are over a very faded Gabriel Campillo, um, you know, Shawnee Monaghan. I don't care what anybody says. He lost the fight to uh, um, uh, uh, to uh, Kalajic, you know, even uh, though that um, he, he was down early in that fight, I believe. And, you know, he, he got the split decision, or he uh, actually Kalajic was down early in that round. And, you know, the fact that, you know, he went down against Castillo last night, even though it was a flash knockdown. This guy was a 2008 welterweight, so I don't see Lucas Brown, be, I mean, uh, Marcus Brown being able to take the punches of a uh, Bibble or even an Art Beterbiev or even a Joe Smith Jr., so I think Marcus Brown is just a guy that when he takes that next level, he's going to get blasted out because he's been handled too carefully and he's been promoted too softly. Um, the next fight I wanted to talk to you about was actually I thought the most entertaining fight of the weekend. And, I mean, how can you not love Luis Colazzo uh, beating uh, Brian Perella in a typical... You know, I'm watching this fight, Dax, and I, I'm laughing to myself. And I'm saying, you know, if anybody's never watched Luis Colazzo, this was 100% vintage Colazzo uh, against Perella. You know, how can you not root for this guy? He's 37 years old. His his action never never lowers. He he sneaks up on you. He plays possum better than anybody I've seen uh, of late. And, and I mean, how can you not love him? What would you think of the performance? I thought Luis Colazzo looked great. And again, um, you stated you know he's thirty seven years old. Uh, you know he's he's not um, in the prime of his career, but he is a guy that no matter what, win or lose, always goes out there and gives it his all. And I don't care who it is, you're not going to have an easy night with him. Uh, Colazzo went out there and he really took Perella to school. I actually thought that any time after the seventh, it should have been stopped. I don't know what Perella's corner was thinking. I think Luis Colazzo might actually ruin this kid. Remember, he was knocked out just a couple fights ago by uh, uh, Ugas. So I don't, you know, I'm not really sure what the corner was thinking. I don't know what the ref was thinking. As far as Luis Colazzo, I'd like to see him get one more payday before he calls it a career. You know, and he's had about what 45 fights, 46 fights now. He's had, uh, he's been in the sport about. 13, 14 years, maybe even longer. So, uh, Luis Colazzo, like you said, again, I always keep uh, referring to Ray Beltran. It's the same type where, you know, um, 
no frills, no flash, goes in there, does their job, win, lose, or draw, makes no excuses. And if you sleep on them, what's going to happen is like what we've seen on Saturday Night Light, or they might take your title if you go in there and you're looking for an easy defense. And, you know, guys like Colossal, we wish we had a lot more of them inside the sport because we don't see them complain about, well, I'm only going to do this if I get paid a certain amount of money. If not, we got to fight in my backyard. If not, we got to fight while we're playing uh, PlayStation. So, you know, Colazzo is a great guy for the sport. And Brian Perello. Yeah, I know he's on the show. I know you like him, Bill, but I think his career is pretty much over. It's plateaued, and we're just going to see him back to the local club circuit. Can't say I can uh, disagree with you. Dax, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll look forward to you next week, my man. All right, everybody. Enjoy the day. Take Thank care. You, Dax. That's uh, Dax Khan giving us his thoughts. Um, you know, Sal, I, the, the Perella, Dax is right. I mean, you know, he, he very well may have, um, you know, been peaked out but 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 here's the thing it goes right back to what i've always said the guy never had a chance to climb the ladder they go from uh, you know basically cupcake non-competitive fights all the way to a luis Colazo type fight now i'm not saying that that was his first major fight because he already had one and he was he was stopped like dax referred to but a guy like Colazo. Even though he's been around as long as he has, 45 professional fights, and he's 37 years old, this guy's been in some tough fights. He knows all the tricks of the trade. He knew when, when Perella was coming after him in this fight, like gave him all, everything he could in the first half of the round, just landing shots. Colazzo was playing possum. Next thing you know, Colazzo comes back. And Dax is right. The fight should have been stopped. I mean, uh, I, I think these fighters get hurt by being uh, you know, coddled too much. Well, I think so too. You know, Bill, they they got to step up, and and you know that's all management and training. And we know the game plan, the model that a lot of uh, managers or promoters like to utilize. And you know, you feed uh, feed a fighter cupcake after cupcake, and you know, you just hope that when you put him in in a tough fight, that he rises to the occasion. And then you know, you're 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 counting on a lot. Uh, there's a lot that goes on emotionally, mentally, and physically. And uh, if he can handle all that that pressure, and if he's thrown in there, then he rises to the top, and he comes out the victor. If not, you know they uh, they tried their investment, and uh, you know he's going to either uh, uh, just become a mediocrity or or uh, a B level fighter, and uh, and then uh, get a couple more fights, a couple little paydays, and then he'll be gone. But you know the model is a model, and some fighters can rise to the occasion when put in that position. And deliver, and uh, but the majority of what we see that follow that game plan uh, usually come up a little short. Yeah, uh, you know it. Unfortunately, the networks and promoters want to be able to promote a fight with an undefeated fighter. Hey, he's yet to be beaten. Somebody's all must go. You know, all all the all, all the the little can't say uh, that yeah. you have a lot. Uh, no, uh, but what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying is, is that's no, what no, they no, that's no, what they want to sell. They want to sell that uh, because it, it's it's right. Right. The fluff. It's the, the stuff. Right, right. I was just going to say. But, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't, from the fighter perspective, it doesn't help the fighter. You know, you, you have to be able to get better. And what they try to do with today's sport is they try to get better in the gym with sparring partners. That's a safe way to get better, right? I mean, you know, when you think of it, that's a safe way to get better without, um, you know, without risking an L. But here's the problem. In order to do that, if you're going to do it correctly, you have to spend money for good fighters to come into sparring with you 
and most of those fighters are in the same boat as you are, and they don't want to waste their time in the gym as a sparring partner. They're trying to find the same guys like you, you know? So, I mean, you might as well just fight each other, you know? I mean, like, uh, you know, years ago, it wasn't... You see, the problem is, is that if you lose today, you get kicked all the way to the back of the line from one loss. I think there lies the main problem that, you know, you're, you're, you basically, your value goes down too much for one loss. And I don't think it's justifiable, Sal. No, and, and it's not because you know what, that one loss, that's the turning point. That's the learning tool. That's the, that's the pinnacle point in your career. If you, you have a defeat, you have to learn from that fight. You must go on from that fight. And you know what? Uh, when you go out there next time, you uh, you show what you did and what you're capable of, and what you did learn, and bring it to the table. And uh, no, just because you have one defeat doesn't mean that uh, your career is over. As a matter of fact, in most cases, you become better. Listen, we got to take a short there. break, and when we come back, Alex Papali uh, is scheduled to join us. So uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us and uh, joining us right now to give us his thoughts on the big fights from this weekend uh, is my man uh, Alex Papali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Sal. Hey, uh, yeah, come on. You guys have been talking for the last two minutes. But uh, <laughs> uh, in any event, um, Sergey Kovalev falls at the hands of uh, Eldir Alvarez via a uh, knockout last night. What was your thoughts on the fight? Oh, I loved it. Uh, this was really, it wasn't action-packed, but it was packed with drama. There were so many really good elements in it. Uh, I'm a big Kovalev fan, and it was rough to see that because I was rooting for him to get himself back together. Uh, and I actually was hoping for a rubber match with Andre Ward eventually, but I think the future for him looks bleak right now. But uh, the king is dead. Long live the king, as we say in this sport. Uh, that was later. Alvarez fought a beautiful fight. Um, you could tell in that second round, uh, he really sapped the confidence in Kovalev. Um, he was beating him to the punch. And he was outboxing him. He is big, strong, and he was there to win. And yeah. um even in that fourth round where Kovalev it looked like, okay, wow, well, here's Kovalev now. He heard him, and he was really battering uh, Alvarez. At the end of that round, HBO, um, those to their credit, they mentioned it. Uh, Max and Jim said, you know, I wonder if by the end of this round we're going to see something back from Alvarez. And in the last couple of seconds, he did fire a left-right, 
and hit Kovalev right on that jaw. So even that round where Kovalev's confidence must have been surging, he got a reminder at the end that, hey, I'm still here. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, kudos to our man, Larry Hazard, because I'm sure he oh, loved yeah. having that fight um, there. It must have been a great night for Atlantic City. I thought things kind of dulled down uh, a little bit with the Bivol in those last couple of rounds. I think to Chalemba's credit, uh, he listened to Roy and started doing what you actually said, um, surviving. And, 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 and Bivol didn't have answers to that. Um, and I think to, in that sense, it was intriguing because we got to see that. But things were kind of dull. And then they got explosive again. And you can see the crowd was on their feet for that Kovalev fight. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it. Where does Kovalev go next? I don't know. It looks like it's over. And it's amazing to see what kind of a front runner he was. Uh, he's not a guy who could handle whenever, like a Mike Tyson, whenever he faced adversity, he crumpled. Um, he didn't, um, he wasn't able to come back from it, uh, you know, in the fight. You know, you, you say something that that's, that's true, and, I, and I, no discredit to Kovalev, because like you, I was a big Kovalev fan. There's no question about it. I, I was very uh, against uh, Stevenson over, the, uh, over that whole oh, yeah. thing. I've, tur I've turned 100% uh, against Stevenson because he would never fight Kovalev. And to Kovalev's credit, you know, uh, and to Andre Ward's credit, they fought each other. Now, I'm not comparing Alvarez to Ward by any stretch of the imagination. But what I saw in the fight last night against, uh, with Kovalev against uh, Alvarez was something similar that I saw in both fights against Andre Ward. Now, keeping in mind, I felt that Kovalev won the first fight. But, uh, um, you know, Kovalev reached a plateau in his career. And it became evident in these last three fights. Well, I'm excluding the two previous to uh, the fight last night because they were they were we, we all knew the outcome of those. Those were inevitable. Okay, they they were not real challenging fights like the two fights against Ward and of course the fight last night against Alvarez. What I saw was Kovalev really basically doing what all he can do there's nothing else he there's no more there's no more there's nothing else in the bag of of tricks and once a fighter can get beyond his best whether it be his boxing ability his punching power you know the bulliness uh the mean streak uh you know whatever once a fighter an opponent uh gets by that kovalev becomes extraordinarily ordinary and yeah. I think that's what we saw in both fights against Ward, and we saw it last night against Alvarez. Good point. Yeah, I think there's definitely some truth, uh, a lot of truth to that because uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, and I think that that is the. Um, it's interesting to see that because we. Ha I think one of the scale, one of the biggest scales uh, we've seen that on recently was, uh, but it wasn't as brutal. Um, was uh, Guillermo Rigondeau uh, against um, Vasil Lomachenko. Um, that was like all at once. He was like, wow, I've never been in a fight like this, and I can't handle it. I'm out. Sure. Uh, exactly. Enough. Wow. Uh, uh, it, Kovalev, uh, of course, you know, was a lot tougher than that. And it's, it's, it's rough for him in a way because, you know, the real injustice was done to him in the first Ward fight. I felt he won I that agree. fight on the card on the cards the second fight um 
Well, you know, to me, that one is, again, I'll make another Mike Tyson reference. Uh, some people think, well, the first loss to Holyfield, well, it was all because Holyfield was headbutting him. People think of that win of Wards was all because he kept hitting the balls. Well, that was definitely a factor. But um, the, and the, when you go and watch the replay, the final two shots are in the nuts. Um, but uh, he was broken and nonviolent. Um, it's submissive on the ropes before that. So to me, that was almost like a checkmate knockout. Um, even before he went low and gave him like a Ken Buchanan. And that's the thing about our sport is it's like life. It ain't fair. Uh, sometimes, you know, you have a Ken Buchanan who loses the biggest fight of his life on a punch to the balls. But, um, you know, does that make Roberto Duran less? You know, I don't know. Um, I digress. Um, but you're right. I think that that was the thing that uh, if you give one of the other things that uh, um, Alvarez was very good at that Ward was too is the distance and making him pay uh, with counter punches and beating him with the jab. And all those things worked for Alvarez last night. And uh, yeah, Kovalev doesn't like it. Um, and uh, he, he doesn't know how to think. In, in the fight to change it up. I think that's why when he started landing in that fourth round, you could tell he was very excited. And Roy was right. In the fifth, you could, tell, you could see he was a little gassed out. So it was fascinating. I had him up uh, four rounds to two when the knockout came. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. To me, it was just a really exciting night. I enjoyed it. Well, uh, the question of where does uh, Kovalev go from here, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is if if he wanted to get back in the mix, I'm sure he could. Uh, he could fight a, a Chalimba again, you know, and and a Chalimba, you know, proved that he he's a good gauge. Uh, he could still go after Bivol. Uh, he could fight the uh, Adonis Stevenson should Stevenson lose. I mean, he could continue. Whether he should or not is a whole nother ball game. I think that. Uh, the mystique of Kovalev is, is gone, and uh, I, I would assume that he's made enough money. Uh, if, if I were him and I were managing him, I'd probably tell him it's over unless you got another opportunity directly for a world title shot that was a big money fight like maybe against Dimitri uh, Bivol. Um, other than that, I wouldn't try to start to climb the ladder again and, and all of that stuff. That's my thought. What, what do you guys think? I think it's a good point, Bill. I, I, I can agree with you on that. And, you know, I think that uh, for him to try to climb that ladder again, I mean, he was given two, uh, two softies after the loss to Ward. And uh, he was able to win that. And, you know, that was supposed to help build his confidence. But I think his confidence is not only shot, but I think his, as you said, the invincibility factor and, and the the awesome power and, and, and the durable or the durability of, of, of a, a fighter, I, I think he shot. I think that it's gone, gone and it's gone forever. Uh, sure, a, a quick win back in the saddle may help him, but uh, to position him in a, in a big fight. But if he can't get, as you say, an A-level fight right now for a lot of money and, and, and try to just go from there, uh, I don't see really why he's going to want to stick around for too much longer. Yeah, I think a fight with Bivol could be interesting. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know if he wins it. Um, Bivol, I think, looked good. Uh, but I think he, did, he didn't He did look as invincible as HBO hoped. And I think that's why they kind of, 
even they weren't exactly like Dax was saying, weren't exactly singing his praises in the last no. couple of rounds. Because if he was all that, you know, shouldn't he be able to figure out how to um, stop Chalemba? And he no. certainly. But at the same time, you know, a veteran guy like Chalemba right. can do enough to not get stopped. And I think that was partially to credit to Roy Jones, even though there was did seem like there was a little tension in that corner there between Roy and the um, the other trainer. Uh, I didn't catch who it was, uh, who the name of Chalemba's other trainer was, but um, the, you could tell after one round, uh, that trainer grabbed Chalemba's shoulder was like encouraging him, and Roy kind of laughed at him. And I was like, "What well, must be a fun. <laughs> too, uh, too late for that. <laughs> in that corner, you know. I think it was, uh, I think it was Ray Arcel, wasn't it? <laughs> but then I funny, think things, yeah. um, I think, you know, if you, when you, you know, I think Chalemba did sort of listen to Roy, so it worked. I don't know. A lot of people are down on Roy. Uh, I'm a fan of his now more than ever. Uh, I really was not a fan of his when he was active, uh, and I am much more now in him in, in you know his uh, work with HBO and uh, even you know last night I thought he did a pretty good job. But um, see, I'm the reverse. I'm the 100 yeah. percent reverse. I, I'm, I, I know I'm out there. I, I, I loved him when he was in the ring. I can't stand him outside the ring. I think that, you know, he, he just... I, I've never liked fighters that make it like it, it's all about them. I'm the great. I'm this. I'm that. I, it's a sport that you don't have to do that in. It, it, it's a sport yeah, dude, that all you have to do in this... It's Roy. Yeah, but all you have to do in this sport is perform, and then that's it. You never have... You know I, you know who I thought did, did a really good job uh, the commentating, I, I, you know, overall wasn't that great uh, for everybody. But uh, and, and just just to close out on the uh, Bivol Chalimba, Chalimba, listen, if HBO wanted Bivol to look fantastic, um, you don't put him in with Isaac Chalimba because you know this is a guy that has a tendency to make everybody look bad. He he knows how to survive, and with Roy Jones Jr. in in his corner with the game plan to survive, uh, there was no way to Bivol and and. To Bivol's credit, not only should people give Chalimba more credit for being able to survive and, and be slick in there, but to Bivol's credit, he didn't make any stupid amateur mistakes of trying to go in too much for the kill. He said, okay, you're going to give me the fight like this? I'm going to be able to beat you by, by peppering you and doing what I want uh, during the fight? I'm not going to win by knockout, but I'll take the win. And, and I give Bivol credit for that. Um, so... Uh, we have a real fighter in, in Bivol. Uh, I would not be surprised if we see Kovalev try to get a fast track to him. Yeah. Um, I, and, I, I, and, I, I, yeah. I mean, Bivol is definitely in, it's exciting to watch. God, he looks so young. Uh, he looks like a young uh, Rocky Senecola in there. Um, <laughs> he is really, uh, yeah. the age difference to me was startling. Um, he's got things to learn, but he's quick, he's smart. Um, he's he likes the variation of his uh, combinations is really nice to watch. So yeah, I think I think he would be, he could beat Kovalev because I think he's definitely smarter than Kovalev. But it could be a dangerous fight for Bivol because um, uh, if he goes to war with Kovalev, Kovalev, and it becomes a really tough fight, uh, you you could end up ruining ruining Bivol uh, at this stage in his career. But I don't uh, think I don't think that Kovalev. First of all, Bivol likes you to go toe to toe with him, and I think oh, that the guy, I, 
Well, he, he, he has handled it so far, and he's, he seems strong, and he seems that he has multiple weapons that he can use. I mean, this is a guy that's a right-hander that was leading more savagely with, with his left uh, than, than anything else. And I think that Kovalev, uh, yes, he's got punching power, um, but now his chin might be suspect after getting stopped. I personally thought the referee did a terrible job. I think they should have waved it off after the second knockdown. He was in no condition to continue. He said he wanted to continue, but he was still staggering around. That I, I'm shocked that that Larry, uh, and I would be shocked that if Larry doesn't have a discussion with that um, uh, with that uh, uh, referee because that fight should have been waved off. But uh, uh, in any event, hey, moving forward, Alex, um, Andre Berto against uh, Devon Alexander. Um, listen, it was a close fight. Uh, Berto proved to me that he, he was never anything special other than a good-looking uh, specimen of a fighter. Um, you know, it, it really proved to me why uh, Floyd Mayweather, who claims he's the best ever, picked Andre Berto. I mean, this is a guy that's just uh, hasn't changed in, in several years. But to be honest with you, I thought Devon Alexander won this fight. I thought that he scored more, uh, landed the more meaningful punches, uh, and defensively, when Berto was throwing some of those punches, to me it looked like Devon was was handling them uh, in terms of deflecting them or, or turning just a little bit. They may have just grazed him and, and landed by a technical uh, point of view, but they weren't really hurting uh, Devon. I think Devon blew it himself by the lack of output. How did you see this fight going? Uh, unfortunately, I only saw the first, like, I five rounds or six rounds of that that fight because I switched to HBO but you're right I mean I agree with what you're saying uh, in how I was scoring it up to that point I thought uh, Devon Alexander and that to me I thought that was a little more interesting I want to watch the rest of that fight because I thought Ron Lipton had had a moment there a referee moment that where he missed two uh, shots behind the head that Alexander hit Berto with as he was going down uh, that I was surprised he didn't warn him about um but um, uh, I so I have to watch the rest of that fight. I did watch the Quillen fight, um, you know, where I thought he, uh, you know, did what he did against Jay Leon Love. Um, that I don't know. To me, I find that annoying when a fighter's talking to people outside the ring the whole time. Um, but hey, whatever. Uh, I thought Sean Porter um, did a pretty good job in commentary. Uh, on that, that PBC card. Yeah, but so did the the one that I was really impressed with was Robert DeGos Guerrero. I thought yeah, that he would. I thought uh, Sean Porter does a good job. As a matter of fact, Sean Porter, um, I, I believe, studied uh, being a commentator in in college and stuff. So I mean, he's got some background. Okay. But 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 I, you know, I thought that the way comments and and thoughts were delivered. Um, more professionally, even though he doesn't have as much experience per se, was Robert DeGos Guerrero. I, I thought that when he spoke, uh, he was uh, he was doing a, a much uh, better job. I, and I love Sean Porter. I mean, I I hope that Sean Porter beats uh, Danny Garcia. But I, I just thought that Robert DeGos Guerrero has really because the first couple of times he did it, he he definitely did not sound as as polished as he did last night. But uh, speaking I, of that. See, let, um, letting them sort of um, uh, pantomime uh, what was going on outside the ring was great. Uh, I thought that was really cool. That that helps people a lot. I, I can't 
I imagine that would help people a lot. I thought that was kind of funny. I thought that was, was kind of funny. That, that the, I think that's why it worked that, because uh, not only did it help in, in terms of visualizing the angles, but it was entertaining uh, and it was humorous. And there was a little nasty comment though with um, that the, the the main guy there said to Porter. I forget how he said it, but I was like, damn, that was a little uh, little. Well, aside from aside from Porter and and Guerrero. The rest of the cast of characters wasn't that great. But uh, the last right. thing I wanted to ask you about, um, you must have saw, did you see the Colazzo fight? No. Oh, no. man. What was that, uh, that, that was, the, the whole undercard was on um, uh, the other Fox network, FS1 or something like that. But Luis yeah. Colazzo put on a boxing clinic against Bryant Goodfellow Perella. And uh, go back and watch that one. Um, what a fight yeah, that my, was! My TiVo uh, said drag racing, so it didn't uh, TiVo. No, well, it was on another. It was on like FS1. Yeah, FS1. It said drag racing. I don't know. Maybe I had to do an update. There was a, there was a U. Maybe it wasn't FS1. Maybe it was another uh, Fox network. But uh, but before they had like some UFC on. But uh, in any event, uh, Joel had. Um, uh, uh, texted me or Facebooked me or something. He mentioned that uh, Vaughn Alexander got upset on the undercard of the uh, Kovalev fight. So, yeah, I guess main events had a rough night. Um, you know, is Alvarez with them for the next fight or how's that going to work? I don't know. If you ask me, Alvarez versus Bivol, that's way too much for Bivol at this time. But he's a champion. See, I can't stand – look, look. – the, the, and they were saying this uh, about him yesterday. Oh, he's developing nicely. Well, time out. You <laughs> know, out. nowadays you're when you're a champion, oh, forget about still developing as a champion. You, you know, you're supposed to develop as you climb the ladder. Hey, listen, all you got to do is look at Andre Berto because Andre Berto was the exact example of what I'm talking about. Here's a guy that fought cupcake after cupcake after cupcake, gets a shot at a title, wins, and then he's he's moved along as a champion trying to fight other guys so he can develop. And obviously he never got any better than what he did. So the same has to be said for Bivol. If he's that good, he's he's a title holder now. Now he needs to start fighting all the top contenders. He can't be looking for uh, I want to get better style fights like against Isaac Chalimba. He needs to fight guys that are if you know he's a WBA champ well then he needs to fight their contenders whether they're good or not that's not his fault but he's got to fight those guys end of story there's no more whether whether he needs to develop or not you don't say it you just do it you know what I mean that's yeah. right you do it and you don't even it could be unspoken and you just do it what you got to do you, but once you're a world champion guess what you got that belt hey you're in a position you got to take on all competitive oncomers and uh, that's your job yeah and i i, I think over i think bivol should should take the momentum um and try to try to steal basically from alvarez you know uh you know to call alvarez out hey that would be a great thing i don't think alvarez would do it because that fight is too risky for him he's just fought and uh, waited, you know, he's probably going to uh, wait for the WBO to, 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 you know, issue him a mandatory and, get, and do that first before he fights Bivol. The, the, the good fight for Bivol right now is 
in my opinion, if he continues fighting, is Kovalev. I, I think that that's a good selling fight, even though Kovalev lost. I, I, I would not be surprised if they give Kovalev that fight. I, I wouldn't be surprised. What do you guys think? Bill, I could see it. I could see that. You yeah. made a very good point. I could see that fight being made, and that would be I would be uh, definitely Kovalev's all-or-nothing fight. You know, I mean, either kind of climb back on a horse or you're, you're, you're done. And it's a money fight for him. So and, and if he wins, he's right back at the top. Right everybody will the top. everybody will say, "Hey, he got caught." Hey, Alex, we got to let you go. But one last thing: what's hey, your I thoughts? Can I, one, can I interrupt for one second? Um, how about the weirdest moment of the night was? Um, did Jay Leon Love thought he deserved that decision? <laughs> I think he did. I think he's been hanging around Floyd Mayweather too long. You know, he's, <laughs> I think he thought he won. Listen, he is another example of a fighter that they tried to build up, and thank God uh, he never was handed a trinket that he could hold on to because he is nothing except what he showed that night. I just don't know how you could throw so few punches and, and imagine, oh, yeah, I, I got this. Because people are in your ear telling you how great you are all the time. You start to believe it. Why? Hey, Alex, we're going to let you go right now, but before we let you go, wh who do you think Bivol should fight next? I think that, that that could be worth something. I think uh, that fighting Kovalev could be interesting. Um, I think against Alvarez, uh, it makes sense. Yeah, because it would be it would be a unification. I, I tell you, yeah, I rarely it would. follow. It would. It would be it a unification. Yeah, because because Alvarez is now the Alvarez is the WBO light heavyweight yeah, champ. I, I rarely pay attention to what uh, Alpha Belt because they're all to me. They well, anyone that's Although fighting the WBO is. I should take that back. Is the WBO is a pretty reputable. I like I like the WBO, but it would be a unification because each guy yeah, would have well, a belt. That would be cool, but I I do think I don't know. I definitely favor Alvarez. To me, he's bigger and stronger. Um, and he can box. He's going to be surging with confidence now. You know, I think he will be one of those, that old adage that a fighter who be, wins a championship becomes ten, at least 10% better. I think that's going to be true with him because this he's waited so long for this. Um, I don't know. I think that's a big hill for Bivol to climb uh, against Alvarez, but sure, I'd love to see it. Well, remember, Alvarez is no spring chicken. You know, he's in his, uh, he's in his mid-30s, so... Alex, great job. We'll look forward to you next week, brother. Guys, take care. Take care, Alex. I don't know, Sal. You know, uh, I think that uh, I, I personally, I think that Bivol uh, would do uh, well against uh, um, Kovalev. I, as far as uh, uh, Alvarez is concerned, uh, I think that, uh, you know, he's he's the real deal, too. You know, so we, we got some interesting things uh, going on in the light heavyweight. Light division. heavyweights are alive. Well, you know what? We uh, a lot of people felt that it was uh, the division. There's a lot of young talent, and yep. what I hope happens is that the the young talent fights each other and doesn't let you know the one young guy feet, let them resurrect some old name and and beat him. You know, we got we got uh, we got stuff cooking where uh, where it could happen. But uh, what's cooking now? We talked a little about it before. Uh, it's a potential showdown between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Uh, Deontay Wilder, as everybody knows, is the WBC champ. Everybody wants to see Deontay Wilder fight Anthony Joshua. Uh, they could not get the contract done. Uh, everybody blaming each other, pointing fingers, blah, blah, blah. 
And uh, one of the things that uh, I have said is I said that uh, I felt that Anthony Joshua has way more options. Uh, he's fighting a, a mandatory uh, a challenger in Alexander Povetkin, uh, which is going to be a very tough fight for, for Joshua. Uh, Povetkin is, is a knockout artist. Plus, uh, if Anthony Joshua has shown one weakness, it's fighting shorter guys. And I said, well, who the heck is Deontay going to fight? You know, he's got Brazil. Uh, there was rumor that he would have a rematch with Ortiz. Uh, one of my arguments was, well, he doesn't have value. He can't make the money, blah, blah, blah. And then lo and behold, out of the blue, really, in my opinion, out of the blue, Tyson Fury gets matched with uh, Deontay Wilder, at least uh, allegedly. They're very close to uh, uh, having a deal done providing uh, Tyson Fury gets by his next opponent, which is August 18th against Francisco Piata. Uh, this fight is projected to be on Showtime pay-per-view. This fight would be a money fight for Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Uh, and it would be a big win for Deontay Wilder, uh, in my opinion, Sal. Uh, even though I feel that Tyson Fury is not ready for Deontay Wilder and even though like we said earlier we both feel that Deontay Wilder will win this fight it is a big fight for for Deontay and an important fight because it'll show uh, especially if he wins that he deserves a bigger cut against Anthony Joshua and then the demand for an Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder fight providing both Wilder beats Fury and uh, AJ beats uh, Povetkin. Uh, man, you can't uh, you can't get a bigger demand than that. No, and and you know that's interesting because uh, that would definitely uh, validate you know Deontay asking for fifty percent of that gate and the house and everything else. And uh, if he is to beat Tyson Fury, um, you know there's an argument that he still deserves it now, but uh, being the champion. But uh, I know we have a difference of opinion on that. Um, I also feel, you know, I'd be curious, Billy C, if we were to look at what would have been the path for Deontay Wilder and uh, Anthony Joshua had they agreed to fight with Deontay Wilder, getting fifteen million or so, and then with the rematch, uh, maybe getting twenty-five or twenty, uh, and then let's see, that would have been two fights, maybe before the end of the year. Let's see how much he's going to get for the Tyson Fury fight and where that's going to put him, maybe in a leveraged position to to fight if Anthony Joshua does what he's supposed to do on his end, that mega fight. And, you know, the million dollars, the millions uh, will keep coming. So uh, it would be interesting to see the progression of the pathway of what would be a hypothetical and what would be uh, the reality. Well, my, my, my first question here would be uh, to Deontay Wilder, um, are you sure, like I feel you can, are you sure that you can knock out Tyson Fury? Because if you can't, chances are you're not going to win a decision over Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's kind of slick, and he steals rounds from you. Um, you know, he ties you up, and he would neutralize. Why? If, if Tyson Fury can neutralize Wilder's power and keep him away, uh, or or keep him, uh, uh, what I meant is keep him away from him trying to get the distance to get the leverage on his power. Tyson Fury is very comfortable fighting on the inside. He's good with an uppercut. 
he's good uh, elbowing you and, and leaning on you and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, should he wear down and squeak out a win over Deontay Wilder, um, you know, then the value uh, of Wilder actually goes down. Now, I will say this. Deontay Wilder uh, is insisting upon a rematch clause in this contract. So, theoretically, should Tyson Fury squeak by and beat Deontay in a decision in the first fight, we're going to get a second fight. So, it all depends on how much money Wilder's going to be paid for this fight, Sal, because at the end of the day, Deontay Wilder may be making decent money assuming that he's going to fight Tyson Fury twice. If, if, if the worst case happens, he fights him twice, and then uh, it could still lead to a showdown with uh, with Anthony Joshua, but but it would be important for uh, Wilder um, to uh, to beat Tyson Fury uh, via a knockout, and then I think uh, his value skyrockets in terms of negotiation power with uh, with AJ. I think you are one hundred percent right on, Bill. And uh, like I said, I'm going to put a lot of credence and, and the credibility in Mark Breland because I think they've got to look at these Tyson Fury tapes and they've got to look at his style. They've got to look at how he ties up a fighter, how he puts his body weight on a fighter, how he tries to nullify a fighter's arms and, and, and range. And because and, those are important issues. And if Deontay could could capture uh, Tyson Fury at his own game, and uh, you, whether he does the fainting, whether he does the uh, the tying up, whether he keeps the distance, whether he boxes him from the outside, whether he, you know, I think, like I said, and I know we have a difference of opinion. I still say the very best Tyson Fury, I mean, the very best Deontay Wilder is yet to be seen, and I think as his level of competition will arise, I think he will also show the world what he's really capable of even though it is that that powerhouse uh that he the freakish power he does possess i think there's a little bit more uh, uh arsenal and a little bit more of uh the boxing skill that he can uh utilize and uh show you and know ring, I, ring savvy and ring intelligence you, you know f- first of all first of all first of all he he does not display any intelligence he he really doesn't in or out of the ring but that's another that's a whole another story but the truth of the matter is is what you say is true about Mark Breland Mark Breland appears to be a fantastic uh trainer teacher you know trainer slash teacher which we need um yes we do but but He's we haven't cool. seen anything that Mark Breland has done that Deontay Wilder has listened to since the first Severn fight, okay? I Earlier, I gave the three best wins for each fighter. And for uh, all 40 of his wins, 39 coming by knockout, I think that I had to stretch hard to find three good wins. And I'll tell you that all three of these, Deontay deserves credit for. His best win, in my opinion, was against Ortiz. I, I thought Agreed. that he showed heart. Uh, he stayed with a with a, a game plan of kill or be killed, and he won. Uh, even de- even even despite taking a lot of punches from Ortiz. Okay, stuff that he was not listening to Mark Breland about. Mark Breland was telling him how to avoid the punches. Was telling him how to keep his movement and try and keep the distance. He was telling him all those things, and he wasn't listening. He was going out for the knockout. The second best fight, in my opinion, was a Torspitska. 
That was another knockout win for, uh, for, for Deontay, but he was struggling early in that fight. You know, Spitzka w was, was arguably winning on the scorecards when he destroyed him and knocked him out. I thought he killed him. All right? Again, his punching power saves the day. The only fight in his third best win was when he actually won the title in his first fight with Bermain Stavern. That fight, he showed that he listened to his trainer in Mark Breland, and he fought a cautious, smart fight. Now, remember, at that time... Deontay Wilder was still a powerful puncher, but they also thought that Bermain Stavern was a tough guy. And they also thought that he was a guy worthy of the respect of Deontay Wilder. So they employed a game plan which utilized Deontay Wilder's arm and reach advantage. And not only did Deontay display a really good jab, he displayed movement in that fight, Sal. He was moving. His agility was like an athlete. And I said to myself, if he could build on this, from this point forward, this is going to be one hell of a good fighter that can box and put you to sleep. But since that fight, he has not demonstrated that he's willing to do it. That gives me a reason to believe that despite what I agree with you on about the, the uh, you know quality of Mark Breland, Deontay's not listening. And he's 32 years old. We're not going to see a better version of Deontay Wilder all of a sudden. We're going to see... The same Deontay Wilder that fought Luis Ortiz and shocked everyone with how good that he uh, displayed his heart and that he came back from almost being knocked out himself and won the fight. That molded Deontay Wilder into being Deontay Wilder, that version, forever. And he's going to feel the same way against Tyson Fury. Because just like I said earlier, Sal, Tyson Fury has no big wins to be bragging about. He's got one. That's Vladimir Klitschko. The other two big wins of his career, Kevin Johnson and Derek Chisora. They're equal to, at least equal to the uh, two wins that uh, uh, Deontay Wilder had. So I, I tell you right now, I, I don't, I I'm telling you that Deontay Wilder is going to do what he did against Luis Ortiz. He's going to try to trade with, with Tyson Fury. Tyson's going to land some punches, but Tyson Fury does not have the punching power uh, that you would think from a six foot nine guy. Deontay Wilder is going to knock out Tyson Fury, Sal. Yes, I agree with you. And how they're going to arrive at that and what round in the fight is that going to happen? I'll tell you why. We're going to have some good things to talk about before that fight because I think we have uh, a lot of good ideas. And I, uh, like I said, I think. Tyson Fury is not an easy way out for Deontay. He's got to pay attention. That's why he's got to go to school with, with Mark Breland. And uh, because, you know, like I said, you got a six foot nine body who can uh, stretch himself also like an octopus and, and uh, lay you on the ropes and then use his weight and try to nullify your punching power by tying up your arms. I mean, uh, I, I could picture that's where I'm going to see the athleticism out of Deontay Wilder when he gets inside, how to tie up uh, Tyson Fury, spin him around, go, go to side to side, a little bit uh, of, of, uh, of boxing ability, utilizing with power. And I, I you know, that's, that's what I can envision because, like I said, Tyson Fury is going to be dangerous for Deontay Wilder. But as we both agree upon, Deontay Wilder's freakish punching power should put Tyson Fury to sleep. Personally, 
I think this is a stupid fight for Tyson Fury. Uh, If it it does happen, Tyson Fury is not ready for Deontay Wilder. Not, you know, even Tyson Fury, the version of Tyson Fury that fought Vladimir Klitschko, maybe, maybe at 247 pounds when he stepped in the ring against Klitschko, maybe uh, gives uh, Wilder uh, a a tough fight. You know, the, the big difference between uh, a a Wilder versus Klitschko. Now, I'm not suggesting that Wilder punches harder than Vladimir Klitschko because Vladimir Klitschko will put you to sleep. There's no question. But the difference is Wilder is, well, more wild. He'll throw more punches and try to land more, whereas Vladimir Klitschko is re- very refined and wants to throw and land a punch when he knows 100% it's going to land. And that benefited Tyson Fury. I think Tyson Fury has a suspect chin. And I don't think he possesses enough power uh, to, uh, to, to keep Deontay off of him. And if I'm Tyson Fury, of course I want to fight with Deontay Wilder. Of course I want to fight with Anthony Joshua. But I got to give myself a chance in these fights. You know, fighting Sarifi and now with uh, Piata in, in August uh, is not getting you ready for for a, a fight against Deontay Wilder. He weighed 276 pounds uh, in his uh, uh, last fight uh, when he beat Sarifi, 276. Uh, and he had gotten down, if you recall, he was, he was 400 pounds, close to 400 pounds. Yeah. So he got down in weight. So for him, that was a big difference. But he's still 25, almost 25 pounds over... His prime weight, at least if you want to call it that, when he fought Vladimir Klitschko. So um, I just uh, I think it's a stupid fight for Tyson Fury. He could have gotten another one in between, uh, another uh, uh, you know uh, I don't want to say, but Piata type uh, opponent, uh, right? You know, and, and just get himself back in 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 shape, physically, mentally, and then go for a guy like Wilder. Uh, I'm curious to see who's paying for this fight. Uh, Tyson Fury was demanding, you know, $50 million to fight Anthony Joshua in England. Uh, This particular fight is taking place in Las Vegas. Uh, Most likely they're saying it's going to take place in Las Vegas. There is a chance that it could take place in New York as well. Uh, So that means that Deontay Wilder's people would have to be the front promotional company of this. Uh, I doubt that... uh, uh, Tyson Fury's team would, would come over and do it, but you never know. Uh, but uh, how much money is Tyson Fury going to take for Wilder? I, you know, um, I, I don't know. It doesn't, seem, it doesn't seem like this is the right fight uh, for Tyson Fury right now financially. And I can't see Team Wilder making any kind of offers uh, that are close to $50 million for a Tyson Fury fight. I just don't see it. Anthony Joshua, that's a different story, but uh, Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury in the U.S. Now, if this fight was taking place in England, maybe they could get more maybe. money, but uh, but I'm not so sure. Hey, uh, give you a little update real quick before we go, Sal. Uh, Daniel Jacobs, uh, they have reached a deal uh, to fight uh, Sergey Devorenchenko for the vacated wow. IBF World Middleweight title, the same title that they stripped Triple G of uh, because he wouldn't fight Devorenchenko. Um, listen, this is an opportunity for Daniel Jacobs to win back a title and get in the mix uh, to beat or fight, I should say, uh, the winner of, uh, uh, of Triple G Canelo. Uh, I personally think that Daniel Jacobs could very well be the best uh, middleweight out there. 
Um, so, you know, this opportunity for Daniel Jacobs to fight Deverinchenko, although Deverinchenko is not a big name, and this is one of the reasons why Triple G didn't want to fight him, uh, and Daniel Jacobs might not get a ton of money in this fight, we do know one thing, uh, that he is going to end up with a title should he beat him, and uh, that will give him uh, some bargaining power uh, to get in a ring with another big name, Sal. Absolutely, and I think that uh, is a good strategy on his camp, and I I can see that happening, and uh, I, I think that he, uh, Daniel Jacobs, is a great fighter. I think he's going to uh, be around for a little while yet, and uh, why not? He, he's a he's a solid, big uh, middleweight, and uh, I think the division after we see what happens on May the, I mean on uh, September fifteenth, uh, it's going to be a a, a great. Uh, uh, sharpening of the knife to see who who the best and who the top uh, and who the cream of the crop is going to be speaking and no i was gonna say speaking of september 15th and obviously uh, in case you guys forgot the date sal's referring to triple g canelo rematch did you catch some of the filming of the promotional video um that took place apparently uh these two guys were brought in. Now, remember, they don't want to even... They, they literally hate each other, all right? They don't like and, each other. And, no, they, and, they, and that's good. I can live with that. I love it. I love it. And they, love it. they didn't want to have a press tour and everything else, but they had to get together and they had to go in the same room uh, for them to film the promotional footage. Now, they did this just basically in a studio with a green screen so that they can add and enhance the ads later on. But the two fighters had to stand... Um, basically in front of each other uh, yeah. and do some stuff. Now, a couple of observations. Number one, Canelo looked like he was in fantastic shape. Canelo looked like he was, I mean, chiseled, ready to go right now. Right. Um, Triple G, not so much, man. He uh, he had a he had a bit of a gut on him, you know. I mean, it was pretty. Thick skin. It, it was pretty. Yeah, it was thick skin. Like I got skin, thick skin <laughs> hanging over my belt. Uh, he didn't look like he was in the greatest shape. And uh, these two guys, when they were looking at each other, you could genuinely see that they don't like each other. Um, I, you know, to tell you the truth, as much as I got turned off by this fight uh, and the fact that, you know, it didn't take place when it was supposed to, I'm looking forward to it, Sal. You know, Bill, and the powers that may be that, that have the strings that pull, reminds me of the old uh, line from The Godfather. I never wanted to be a puppet and some end of the strings. And, uh, you know, look at this. It's going to be a fight that we're going to welcome, that we're going to anticipate. It's a year overdue, or, or not a year, six months past due. And uh, by the time it's said and done, and who knows? Uh, hey, let's let's see these guys rise to the occasion. You know, you were talking about uh, promotion and, and, and commercial. I, I think a great commercial where these guys could pick up a couple good million dollars on top Picture this. They're both sitting at two different or so across the table eating a, a hamburger. <laughs> one one from one from the, the farms in Mexico and one uh, a stellar burger place that we have up here. And uh, just eyeing each other, biting into this burger. Uh, I, I think there could be a lot of fun play on that. But uh, that's me. <laughs> well, if you saw the commercial that... Mikey Garcia made well it wasn't really a commercial it was like a little skit that him and his own team made uh they were kind of goofing on uh uh Alvarez with the beef it was funny you, you should punch no, it up punch funny. it up it, it, it's uh it was funny but anyway hey listen boys and girls uh, glad you could be with us today 
Uh, and uh, all I could say is, is this. Make sure you tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.